welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Exhaust Notes Podcast. We are here to talk about only Red Bull, only Max Verstappen for the rest of the season. So if you're not a Max fan, we're just going to apologize now because, I mean, what else is there to talk about, right, guys? I'm going to leave, and this will already be more exciting than the race we watched today. So thank you for that setup, Nick. <laughs> oh, man. How are you guys doing? Living the dream. I feel like I'm in a nightmare. We're watching Max dominate beyond dominate. Is it probably one of the most dominating things like performances that I can ever remember in my time watching? I didn't know you could have blowouts in Formula One, but lo and behold, we have a blowout in the American sporting sense. Like that was the equivalent of a 45 point win. Yeah. And it didn't it, I saw, it didn't even look like he got out of third gear. That was the scary part. Yep. I saw Hassan in the discord said that uh, Leclerc could literally win every race from now on and Max would still win the title. So uh, going to take some sort of miraculous intervention for that to change between now and the end of the season, I guess. Now, are there any Italian? That was actually true. Go ahead, Todd. I think that was actually true prior to the, like at the summer break. Um, yeah, as long as Max finishes one position behind Leclerc, it, he could win the championship by not winning. But now I think it's even even worse. My question is: We would need full. Who wants to be the Italian Jeff Galuli? Who wants to go outside of the Red Bull camper van with a billy club? Just or maybe a sock full of nickels and just start swinging it wildly because that's what it's going to take. <laughs> maybe it'll be Checo for how just ultra second fiddle he is now. See, I'm convinced they're going to let Checo win Mexico as a part of an appeasement part of his contract. That's the only justification I could get to why Checo continues to be the alpha version of Valtteri Bottas. He really is Valtteri Bottas 12.0. <laughs> That's a... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as... <sighs> I'm thinking about that now. Has there been a more dominant, you know, I can't remember like at what point Lewis was pretty much like locked up, but I feel like Max, oh, I, I feel like Max is like, has like leveled up beyond anyone in the last, I don't know, 30 years. But Hamilton definitely had some like super dominating seasons where he went, he won the title. What was it? 2017, 2017 or 2018, he won it in Coda. And then I think, again, either 2017 or 2018, he won it in Mexico. So, like, he's won it with, like, you know, five, six races left in the season. Yeah. Which Max could very well do. Um, but I was thinking from, like, a single race performance, I was trying to think back to performances that were as dominating like just from the get-go in like you know free practice and qualifying like the, let's go let, let's just start at qualifying because no one cares about free practice but me he got pole 
by six tenths of a second over signs. I, I know the penalties, whatever kicked in after, but he was six, tech, six, six tenths of a second clear of signs and signs had a toe, which was good for they were saying like four ish, four to five tenths on the camel straight, which is like crazy. And then in the race, he set the fastest lap with like a third of a tank of fuel left. Like it was lap 30 something, whatever, when he set his fastest lap on like kind of kind of used tires. And then Leclerc went for a fastest lap with two laps left. I think he actually attempted the la fastest lap on the last lap. So you think he's got maybe one extra lap of fuel in uh, in there, maybe two, depending on how, you know, they, they play that weight game or whatever. So he's got, you know, one to two laps of extra fuel in, not 30 laps of fuel in or, well, you know, 20 laps of fuel in, whatever. Um, And he was still short by six tenths of a second in the race, in race trim. Like, that's crazy how yeah. dominating it was. The last time I can remember people just thinking, oh, it's inevitable that uh you know this one per this one driver is going to win the race is interlagos i think last year was it last year yeah yes last year when they said oh we're bringing the spice merc said they were bringing the spicy engine to brazil and because of grid penalties hamilton started 20th and everyone just was like mm, i think it's he's still going to win but this felt even more dominating than that because like the person starting in on pole position was like, yeah, I'm still going to have to battle the guy that's starting in 14th. Like he knew it ahead of time. It was crazy to me. I was just trying to think of, re, uh, you know, in the recent era of Formula One, the last decade plus, has there ever been anything like that before? Because I can't think of anything. And before we get a little bit further into this discussion, I wanted to make sure that if, in case this is your very first episode of the Exhaust Notes podcast, let's just go over that race order right before we delve a little bit deeper into the topic. So as we're doing that, the aforementioned Max Verstappen was in first call. place, followed by his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez. Carlos Sainz did his fair share of the team lifting for Ferrari in third place, followed by George Russell. Fernando Alonso, the world's most interesting man in Formula One, came in in fifth. Charles Leclerc came in in a surprising sixth position. Esteban Ocon, a.k.a. the Bandit, because he stole my heart, is in seventh place, followed by everybody's second favorite driver, Sebastian Vettel, in eighth. Pierre Gasly, breaking into the points for what feels like the first time in an eternity in ninth, followed by his... Red Bull cohort at one point or another, Alex Albon. Now into the non-point territory, we go Lance Stroll, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, Guan Yu Zhou, Daniel Ricciardo, Kevin Magnussen, Mick Schumacher, all finishing between 11th through 17th. Nicholas Latifi, everybody's, I would say, what, 15th favorite Canadian? Who's, who's to say? I'm sure he's climbing up those charts because he's not climbing up Formula One charts anytime soon. And then lastly, the two DNFs, Mercedes fans look away. It's Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. Guys, anything else we want to touch on with regards to the initial race recording before we go back in this discussion? Because if we are going to go back, that was my question to the two of you. You guys obviously have the history on this sport than I do. Does the dominance feel different? Because I caught maybe the tail end of the Lewis dominance, which is i.e. the season before last season. It didn't feel like this. This just feels like paint drying. Lewis at least had the charisma to make it somewhat interesting to Todd's point. 
Yeah, like the race I was just talking about at last season, the Interlagos race. They, st- if you remember that race, Lewis started twentieth in the sprint. He made it up to tenth. So for the race, he started tenth, um, and then made it up to first. And they had a battle, a very close battle for the last, you know. <sighs> 15 laps I want to say and then with like four laps to go Lewis finally passed him or had to give the place back because he pushed him wide and there was that whole controversy but like that was a pretty close battle for that race between two people this felt like Max in a like plutonium powered rocket ship and then everyone else was kind of in go-karts yeah I can't think of I can't describe it any other way there was truly a class of one this weekend yeah, I mean, trying to think, like, looking back, if you're new to Formula One in the last few years, you're used to seeing Mercedes dominate, Lewis dominate, and then you have Max, who's now, like, starting his, you know, potentially, you know, five or six-year run of domination, unless some, you know, like, I don't, I don't see anything changing drastically at Red Bull to mess things up until 2026. Right? Like that's that's the next real potential spot for somebody to like I mean I, all these teams could improve and and teams can mess things up, but like we've seen this actually I forget who made the comment in the Discord, but basically uh someone said there's, you know, Red Bull is the new Mercedes and then somebody followed up and said actually Mercedes Red Bull was the new Mercedes before Mercedes was the Mercedes. Right. So like essentially Red Bull had this four, four year, five year run of winning championships, 2010, 2014 ish. Um, And I was looking back and I think the 2011 season, uh, Sebastian Vettel won in a Red Bull car with five races to go. Just completely dominated the season, right? Like one seven out of the first 10 races or something like that. Very similar to what Max is doing this year. Very similar to what Lewis has done for the past few years prior to the last, I guess, you know, in his dominant streak with Mercedes. So I guess my question is, is this good? Like I, I, I am becoming more of a Max fan, not, not a true fan necessarily, but like I like seeing him uh, like maturing, right. right? Like and and not, you know, like we all kind of were like, yeah, you know, he might have a sophomore slump here. And like there's none of that. Right. Like even even like the first two races of the season, it was like, oh, Max, Max ha- hasn't quite figured out how to how to turn the heat off when when the when his when his bo- blood is boiling. And then next thing you know, he's the one, you know, outsmarting Charles Leclerc. So, I mean, it feels like we're on the verge of another one of these long win streaks for, for Red Bull, unless, you know, something drastic happens. And, I, and like, I say this in all sense, right? When a, when a team dominates a sport for, you know, four or five years straight, six years straight, seven years straight in some cases, like it just gets old for a lot of fans. And I'm almost wondering, like, you know, are, are the viewers of, you know, is the viewership going to, going to suffer because like 
you know, we're going to watch. We're fans of the sport. But like thinking of what, like you said, you know, uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, right? Like there's a good possibility that this, the season is already determined before the race even before that race even happens. I think there's, you know, you I think you shared the thing that said like only seven drivers actually could win the title at this point. Right. So, you know, we're kind of get, coming up on a on a on a, you know, I don't know, like an uneventful finish to the season. Right. Which is the worst thing for the sport, in my opinion. But I don't know. What do you guys think? No, my thought is this. I think if you've recently got into the sport like I have, last year was a gift from the racing gods. I don't think I would ever see as exciting of a season for the rest of my Formula One fandom. And that could be anywhere from five to 25 years. Like last year was better than scripted television because as we like to kill Netflix, their drive to survive sucked compared to what actually happened on the track. This year, I think we're regressing to the mean where it seems this season is more like seasons past, even with this new rule set in the backdrop of the season. And that being said, I think this will be a good barometer to kind of let people know, okay, who's really here for the race and who's here because all their buddies post about it on Instagram. So I need to make sure I check this out and also have that talking point. Now, that being said, the one thing where I think if I had to make a prediction about next year's season of Drive to Survive, I think they're salivating because ultimately it's the David Stern methodology of, you know, what's better than an existing star creating new stars. And I think this is the type of environment now where if you handle the narrative and the marketing correctly, you can market new stars. You just have to make sure that the message is authentic and people buy it because, yeah, it's looking like a formality. And if there's one thing we as American sports fans hate, it's dynasties and formality. And this is not trending well, or so it seems. To, to play devil's advocate to what you're just and I know this is episode isn't about drive to survive at all, but how are they going to make uh, a perfectly not scripted story about this season if their champion doesn't participate? Oh, I think this this upcoming season is always going to be about the silly season more than any other season, because that seems to be the overall. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. It's the silly season. It's the new rule set. And yeah, I I wonder if they are going to back up the Brinks truck to the Verstappen family and say, we need you like, sorry. And if he still says no, then, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued because there's no amount of revisionist history that Netflix can enforce that's going to make that season captivating. I think that I mean, well, that like they have enough storylines and I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole right now, but like Merck's rise from the ashes, yeah. you know, like the podium last <laughs> last race or whatever but so I, that wasn't your question but i think and going back to nick's original question i think that i'll start by saying i already congratulated max on his 22 and 23 championships i'll con i'll just go ahead now and say congrats on the next run until 26 um because like you said red bull isn't like We've seen this era where it was, you know, four years Red Bull, seven years Mercedes or eight, if you want to count the, the constructors title. Um, and then we have this new rule set where somebody else got it right. And I know that the rule sets like the margin in the rule book is supposed to be smaller to create closer racing and everything. But this is kind of going back onto today's race point. The cars 
while racing closer, have tracks like this where once the order got unshuffled, the everyone was just kind of stuck in DRS trains, right? There was just like segments of the performances of, you know, Formula 1.5, Formula 1.75 kind of thing, like I've talked about before. Um, and we're going to have, like, unless Ferrari takes a big step, which I doesn't, I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into their performance today. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think we're going to have this this whole dominance, like just Max running away with it for the next several years. The thing that I hope happens is that people that were brought into this sport with the drive to survive thing and like they kind of enjoy the narratives of what's going on in the midfields. So, you know, my man Rohit here rooting for Esteban, it was, I'm sure, exciting for him, especially what uh, Esteban did today uh, that will keep people in the sport, even though there is the dominance, right? You can like, you know, the Giants had their his like their period of dominance, but you still are a fan of baseball and you still watch the Giants, even though if they're in last place or if they're, you know, middling around the you know midfield. I mean, but the Giants were like they won and then they were like last and then they won and they were like last. It's like I know it's not a like a perfect <laughs> example, but they had like a period yeah. of dominance, right? Yeah. If it's every other year in baseball, that's still like a dynasty for one team. Yeah. Well, what's crazy about this sport compared to all other sports, right, is the teams don't necessarily change that much. I mean, it sounds weird to say that as we're looking at literally, what, six different drivers or seven different drivers changing right now in the midst of all this chaos that has been summer break. But in in other sports, right, like the the core players, the core athletes that make the team usually are around you know like and and like with with formula one the teams are always the same right like it's not like we have drastic team changes we have names change we have drivers change sometimes but like red bull and honda has been what you know 10 years right mm -hmm. mercedes you know like mercedes supplying engines for you know whatever second team ferrari you know, okay, Renault is now an Alp is now Alpine, right? But like, it, it's just a it's really interesting to to you know kind of compare because you could watch, and I know people that watch, you know, like for me, but with baseball, when the Giants were actually winning, you know, there was like a core group of like four or five guys that I think stuck through. But like generally speaking, there was like a lot of new new young guys that came up that helped keep it going, right? And you don't really have that opportunity in Formula One, right? Like the new guys come in and like, hopefully somebody comes in and gives Max a run. But like, to your point, I don't see that happening for, you know, uh, unless Ferrari changes. I, I mean, again, like we've, we've kind of harped on them about this, but like it's strategy, right? Supposedly the car was set up for more downforce, which ended up, you know, slowing the car down. And, and really becoming more like more drag than than downforce, I guess. But I mean, like, no matter what you give Leclerc in in like Ferrari form right now, he's still he's still so far off of Max's pace. 
Yeah, I thought that was the most Science damn- too. I thought that was the most damning indictment because to your point, Nick, both Leclerc and Max got grid penalties. One won the race. The other one had a top five finish, but I don't know who made the call. And that was the other thing that I kind of took umbrage with. So I don't know if we want to officially transition into what I like to call shenanigan watch because we were chatting about this previously. And there is a great little cult classic movie called Super Troopers. And within said movie, there's a segment on shenanigans. And as the movie describes and defines shenanigans, they can either be whimsical and light or they can be cruel and tragic, depending on who the subject is of shenanigan and all i want to say is right now ferrari shenanigans are cruel and tragic if you actually support the team but if you're neutral my goodness there's no better writing on television and sometimes it's gotten (laughs) to that apex level where you can't even write this stuff you just let life happen and you just sit back eat your popcorn and just wonder how have these people not retired from this sport and taken a mental health break landing upwards of a decade because this is a rare ineptitude this is like the 1992 dream team of ineptitude yeah it's it's pretty bad man it's pretty bad yeah i guess we should change gears to the antithesis that is the domination of red bull to the their closest competitor that's the most damning indictment (laughs) so bad so okay let's let's start with the radio communications because this was the first time we heard like almost i I mean we're never going to hear everything on a broadcast but that I don't know what lap it was where they were basically like, hey, Charles, uh, you know, you can either stay out or you can come in uh, if you want to. If you want to keep going, you can go. But like you could come in and pit if you want. Uh, we figure you're going to finish fifth. But uh, what do you want to do? Like, what the fuck? What the actual fuck is that? Because that was literally how it sounded. And I'm listening to it going like, I mean, that's the kind of conversation I would expect for a car that is like off the track DNF, like waiting for a ride back to the pits type of conversation. And it's literally in the middle of the race, you know, probably 25, 30 laps in somewhere in there where it was just like, you're the strategist. You're the people with all the information. Charles isn't supposed to be making that decision. That's why the team is failing right now to, to, to compete, right? Because if he doesn't have the confidence that the rest of the people in the, on the pit wall can actually make these decisions without him, I mean, don't get me wrong. All these drivers are, you know, arrogant as hell and they want to be able to give that input, but to have it be just a casual conversation that everyone in the world can hear. And even when we don't hear it on a broadcast, every other team can hear that so it's like reeking of lack of confidence to me. And I just don't I don't understand it at all. I like I wanted to turn the TV off. No, at no, that no. Quick point. And I forgot who made this point. And it wasn't on our discord. It was somewhere within the throngs of Twitter. So apologies to the nameless faceless person that tweeted this. But the whole theory behind this is this is part of Red Bull's punishment for 2019 is they just get their worst moments broadcast everywhere and their punishment is this new narrative of how inept they are as an organization. I saw that and I was like, that is truly one of the most delicious punishments I've ever heard of. So you're saying that this is um, F1 and FIA? Yeah. Forcing them to just pull 
blunders all season. It's like the Simpsons episode where Sideshow Bob kept stepping on that field full of rakes. And it's like I said, it's not every time I tell myself I can't laugh at this. I've slowly it's not even Stockholm syndrome, but I've become a Ferrari fan based on their ineptitude because I truly feel that I could do a better job. And I've been watching this for less than 18 months. My daughter is older than how long I've been watching this sport. (laughs) And that's great. Maybe that's how you retain new fans, because you set this shining light of an organization and say, hey, you random person off the street that's only started watching this in the last calendar year. We think you could probably do a better job managing these egos and more importantly, managing this tire strategy because, oh, wait, I don't know where I put the official Formula One book club of exhaust notes, but that Ross Braun strategy needs to be tattooed on some intern's back and that intern should be walking around shirtless. Oh, shit. Uh, I think we could just. You guys want to rap? Because there's nothing that will be said better than that. And I'm a Ferrari fan. Um, That's the crazy part. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad that we don't have any like Ferrari diehards in our Discord because, like, I'm sure they would get clowned on incessantly. And, like, it's a rough season to be a Tifosi. No, but the thing is, Todd, um, the thing is, this is their best season in five years. If you look at it from like a performance perspective and a point perspective, no. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, like, it is. Their that best that is the eternal funny. monkey's paw of it all. Do you want to be really quiet with your ineptitude and be a mid-table team? Or do you want to show flashes of potential, but then when the light is shining brightest, you not only shit the bed, you full on have a full juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I just knew like from, I know we like we already talked about the race a little bit, but even jumping back to qualifying, they just like straight in Q (laughs) three, they sent out Leclerc out of sync of everybody, so he got didn't get a toe and he got traffic on a new set of tires, so they burned up another set of tires, and he was like, wait, what are these tires, guys? And they're like, oh. Sorry, it was an accident. That was it. It was just like, oh, Ferrari's back, like back to their true form. <laughs> like just from qualifying, you knew it was it was gonna be it was gonna be bad. But they, yeah, then in the race, like going back to your question, Nick, like not only are they having this like casual conversation, they're saying a lot. Like it's not like, do you want to pit? Yes or no? It's like. We think you're going to get fifth. And like, like you said, like they kept going on, like you can pit, but you don't have to. You can keep going. Think you're going to get fifth. And then the best part of Leclerc's race engineer, he would just say a statement and then say question at the end of everything to let (laughs) him know that it was a question. (laughs) I was dying every time he did that. I I can't. I I love that theory of that. This is a continued punishment from that 2019 fuel pump thing yeah because this is so much worse like i'd rather have a dog shit season at the back like in a williams car than have your blunders broadcast every freaking week and they they do it to themselves and then we didn't even talk about it yet but the the pitting him to like potentially lose a position it wasn't really a slow pit stop or anything but it was going to be really really tight he lost a position to alonzo with two laps left 
had to pass Alonzo, which he got done pretty quickly, and then did a fastest lap and was still off. Like, they knew they didn't really have the pace, so why go for fastest lap? I mean... I mean, but and he... And then that whole... But he didn't end up. Thing. He didn't end up passing Alonzo, right? Alonzo finished fifth. Yep. No, because of the penalty. Oh, that's right, the penalty. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, that's right. the one thing I didn't talk about. So early in the race, I guess Leclerc got a tear off, like the they have the little clear strips on their visor in case they get bugs or whatever. Yep. He got, he got a tear off stuck in his brake duct, which is why he pitted pitted early. He said something was smoking or burning or something so they pitted him super early and that dropped him back kind of even farther um and then it was completely fine apparently for the whole race until he pitted for the fastest lap attempt and he got a pit lane speeding he went over by like 0.1 kilometer of an hour but they said it was due to a faulty brake sensor that had like overheated during that thing stuck in the brake duct or whatever I mean, it just goes to show you multi-million dollar vehicle and all it takes is a tiny piece of plastic to fuck it all up. So people, please make sure to put your plastic in the recycling bin because <laughs> clearly Leclerc did not. And that ended up costing him some points. <laughs> I wish we had like an ad break to play like a Sebastian Vettel commercial about cleaning up the earth. <laughs> yeah, the right more now. you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a start. Um, so the other part about that I was going to say because if you are a Ferrari diehard and you're not in the discord I don't want to discourage you from joining the discord I will just say that every Formula 1 fan that sticks with a team or a driver has dealt with these types of ups and downs and these types of like just public ridiculousness I mean look Todd as our shining example a diehard Danny Rick fan is 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 currently suffering one of the worst experiences of his fandom, I would assume. Right. So that is correct. It's just how it goes sometimes. Unless, of course, you're a Max Verstappen fan and then you just win. But. Got to respect that, too. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> if we can change gears back to Max, because rightfully so, he deserves to be spoken about in hushed tones because that was a breathtakingly efficient and devastating performance because he he literally went out on a Sunday drive. It just happened to be in the middle of a Formula One circuit and you couldn't tell like his. I would have loved to seen a heart rate monitor on his uh, chest during this race because I don't think he would have ever gone into what uh, now I'm not even I'm going to stop talking because I don't know anything about medicine, but I feel like there wasn't even a pitter patter of excitement for that man during that race. And then to follow it up, we go to his home race next. Like at this point, we should just go ahead and print off the celebratory T-shirts and the commemorative DVDs and the NFTs and just saying congratulations to Max. And you know what, Todd, because I'm a one upper and I tend to one up you the most. I'm going to say we're not going to see another title winner until the 30s at this rate, because my goodness. If this is what he's giving us every week. I don't think he's going to race that long, but I like your enthusiasm. Can I can I go off on a little rant? Do here? you, King? Because Rohit just gave me a perfect segue talking about Max's home race, which apparently it was also mentioned that this weekend was his home race of <laughs> Belgium. They've also say that the 
The Red Bull Ring is his home race. Can we just decide where this fucker is from? Because that's three <laughs> different countries. The Netherlands, Belgium, and the, and the Red Bull Ring. I mean, this he, happens with all the greats, man. Look at Kobe Day. Kobe Day is Kobe's birthday. Kobe Day is 824. And then Kobe, Kobe Day is the day he retired. Right? So... Uh, I beg to differ, Todd, because as an American with a questionable sense of geography, as far as I'm concerned, Max is just from Europe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. like a dark skinned white dude. Uh, I think, I think it, what it is, <laughs> I think what it is, 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 is the FIA just sees so much orange in the stands and they're just like, well, this, this is, this is his home race, right? Yeah, it like, literally, it's every race, race, every yeah. weekend, because he's got it's just orange everywhere. And then you mix in Team Papaya, which is also orange. And actually, Lando has made that joke. I think he did it last year in at Zandvoort, like on the stage. He's like, "Oh, great to see so much orange here supporting McLaren," and like, whatever, yeah. funny, yep. funny, haha. But I thought it was a good joke. Um, but yeah, just just decide where you're from. Like he even said, like, oh, it's good to race in front of the home crowd at Red Bull Ring this year. It's like, nope, it's not your home crowd. It's Red Bull. That's Red Bull's home crowd, right? I mean, you know. I guess, but like, yeah, but you can. Ha- they all talk about it like it's his home crowd. You can have a corporate I mean, hometown. If- you can have a geographical <laughs> hometown, and you can have a biological hometown. My man's gotten all three. He's got bingo. He just needs a yeah. I mean, extraterrestrial hometown because I'm convinced he's not a planet Earth based on how he drove this week. Next time, if there's okay, ever yeah. a Formula One race in Uranus, there you go. That's his fourth home race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once once he gets to Suzuka, that's that's Honda, right? So, I mean, that's a home race for him, too. That's his Asian home race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He just, yeah, everywhere he can. I mean, you got to take yeah. advantage of that, though. I, I mean, I, if, if I'm a if I'm a driver or a team, I'm leaning into that heavy every time. My home race is going to be Sonoma Raceway, Laguna Seca, Button Willow, <laughs> Willow Springs. No, like, every Hamilton. every track in California is my home race. Yeah. <laughs> We're Talladega. That's yeah. my home race. Um, Third but cousin. Hamilton second second removed. <laughs> Lives here, so it's my home race. <laughs> yeah. I once thought about becoming a Canadian citizen, so Montreal is <laughs> yeah. home race. Um no, but Hamilton does this. We're going way longer on this rant and beating a dead horse here. But Hamilton does this in a sense like he kind of has this affinity or claim, not claim to, but that close. There's a kinship with Brazil, I believe. Like, yeah, to your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interlagos. But he says it's like my, a second. It's like my second home. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, it's he only claims Silverstone, right? Like all the other British drivers just claim Silverstone. It's not not like. Checo's gonna go to Vegas and be like, "Hey, there's a lot of Hispanic people here." Second, like, this is my home race. <laughs> it's you know what I mean. Yeah, but here's the funny thing about well, because I think Max has already claimed it, right? Yeah, I believe that was uh, part maybe, of the press yeah. release. Max has claimed Vegas as his as his fifth home race for next season. No, but I mean, like, Lewis is technically <laughs> a Brazilian citizenship. I just I wanted to confirm because I thought I remembered that correctly, but. Oh, they, they did give so it to him. That's fine. I need yeah. to, it's it's like the old R. Kelly Dave Chappelle skit where I need to see two forms of government ID, a birth certificate from that region, <laughs> and I need his grandmother to say, Yes, that's my Max. Oh, make sure you get her in the hair, Max. 
<laughs> okay. okay. Oh, we- man. All right, so I'm going to throw this a little off from our usual antics because we don't really talk about fastest laps, but I happened to click on the fastest laps looking at uh, F1.com. How on earth did Lando Norris run the fifth fastest lap and still finish 12th? I mean, I understand that he could just have a great one great lap, but like if the car has that much potential, where are you at, Lando? It was probably a perfect storm, right? He was caught in a DRS train for the majority of the race. Fuel burnt down, had fresh tires, still in a DRS train, got a good tow. Is what it is, right? Like, that's the only thing I can... I I didn't pay too much attention to uh, the McLarens once they... I mean, once my painful existence as a Danny Rick fan came true... Again, and he went from 7th down to like 14th because they had no pace and they had no tires and they had no fucking idea what they're doing. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's got to be something like that where he got a tow, fresh tires, fuel burnt down. When, when was it? 30, lap 31, which is also George's fastest lap and one lap before Max's fastest lap. Like everybody ran quick from on those. Must have been perfect track conditions. Signs' no fastest lap was 32 as well. Yuki's fastest lap was 32. Yeah, so it must have just been like the perfect storm spacing and everything. No, but yeah. I mean, yeah. this also brings me to a logical point that we discussed a lot in the last episode. And even this particular morning, we got up a little early to watch the pre-race festivities, and there was the interview with Daniel Ricardo. I thought the most interesting thing, and maybe because both Nick and Todd spoke it, it must have came true because you guys have been part- uh, practicing the secret, but I believe Gunter Steiner had called Daniel Ricardo, and so this is my proposal to Netflix. Join Formula One, be a paid sponsor, and get Danny Rick to Haas. Like, Say to Haas, we will pay you $10 million. We will pay you Daniel Rick's. I don't know why I went Daniel Rick instead of Danny Rick. We will pay Danny Rick's (laughs) exemption bonus from McLaren for you guys to take him on as a team. Because that's the only way they win. Because I don't think, sorry, Mick, you had another bad race. I don't think they're going to retain him. Who else is left? Because I just don't want to see Todd unhappy oh, yeah. again. I want to see Todd happy for at least one more year in Formula One. I mean, I, I love Todd, too, but it's not even about Todd right now, right? Danny Rick leaves Formula One. You lose undeniably the best personality that's in Formula One. I think this. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And in, that's the other point I want to make. ESPN needs to back up the tra- uh, truck, too, because he essentially could be the Stephen A. Smith of racing for them if they want it. Not only that, he's got a I also saw this on Twitter. So once again, credit to the nameless faceless mob on Twitter. He's got a McAfee quality about him where it doesn't matter what he's commentating on. He just has a likable enough demeanor and persona that he's going to get you through 90 minutes of content. And just because he's so goddamn charming, it's going to work. How dare you compare Daniel Ricardo to Stephen A. Smith? Stephen A. Smith is an asshole. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm surprised that comparison hasn't been made. No, he's more of a Kenny Mayne if, he, if he's anything. Kenny Mayne on Main Street. That 
if you don't know what I'm talking about, look that series up. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, I guess we're into the contract talks because that's a lot. A lot of what went on, uh, which we we should know tomorrow how official it is, right? Contract review board is meeting is tomorrow, which by all accounts they're going to confirm that McLaren has Piastri. So that leaves Ricardo to your question, Ro. Alpine, maybe, yep. but we can talk about the other Alpine thing. Uh, Haas, Alfa Romeo, if they haven't technically signed Joe yet. Um, Alfa Tauri, because they haven't but, signed Yuki. They haven't signed Yuki, or could be losing Pierre. Yep. Williams. And Williams. But if you're Danny Rick, do you want to go, if you're not getting the Alpine seat and you're not going to fight at least McLaren? Do you want to go to Haas? That's going to be whether or not they had an early stroke of luck this year or if it was just the car was actually good for, you know, kind of good. Do you want to go that in like a long-term project that doesn't really have an influx of money? I guess they're kind of building some foundations of a base of operations around Ferrari or already did. I don't know. It's that, that area is murky, but they're not getting a huge influx. They're not getting their own wind tunnel like... Aston Martin or McLaren, like, do you want to go be a backmarker? But it goes to this point of, of those five teams you listed, with the exception of maybe Alpine, who has slightly elevated expectations because they're consistently around the top of the midfield, all those other teams, I think, would welcome him with open arms. And I think he has enough cachet built up over his career in Formula One that if he performs reasonably well everybody's gonna say oh that was just a blip in mclaren this is the true danny rick so i think he's actually in a win-win situation now that i think about it some more i mean yeah he he's he's too likable of a personality to to like he could be he Stephen has... a smith I'm still <laughs> mad about that no he just he just brings so much more to a team than than you know Look, I, I don't think that McLaren or Danny Rick wanted to part ways, right? I think it's pretty obvious that neither of them really wanted to, but it's the right decision because he's they can't get it right, right? Like they, you know, it's been a struggle for, you know, the entire season, essentially. So, and, you know, to me, like that's probably more admirable and respectable on both accounts to be able to say, hey, this just is not working. Let's not waste each other's time, energy, money, all that stuff. Because if he goes someplace and, and gets an extra year in and can can really make a difference. I mean, to your point, Roy, if Netflix came along and sponsored Haas and Danny Rick was on the team, like the American fan base would just be, you know, like th that would become like a diehard fan base in like a matter of weeks. I mean, not only that, they would have their own spinoff, I'm convinced, because we were watching Selling the OC, which is a spinoff of Selling Sunset. There you go. Danny, ha Danny Rick, Gunter Steiner, the bromance we never thought we could get, but we always wanted secretly in the back of our minds and in the front of our hearts. Yeah, sign me up for that right now. I weirdly feel like Gunther and, and Danny Rick would clash somehow. But even that's a win-win, though. I feel that way. That's a win-win, like... The only way that hypothetical series doesn't work out is if everybody's professional. But between the fuck smasher, 
and the honey badger. Nothing about that screams professionalism to me. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Even if it was, I forgot about the fuck smash my door thing. <laughs> Gunther is pure like peak comedy when he's mad, I guess. All it's going to take to yeah, s- oh, mean- go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead. I was just going to say all it's going to take to set off Gunther Steiner, the human ticking time bomb that he is, is one Danny Rick smirk. He's just going to take it the wrong way and then all hell is going to break loose and we're all going to be happy because this is what we wanted. I mean, I've always wondered if that's that was a real reason that he left Red Bull is because Christian Horner just didn't like that he smiled so much. No, I actually think Christian was pretty salty about Danny Rick leaving. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he... I th- I feel like I know it's all scripted or whatever, but the what came across on camera was when Christian Horner was talking about Danny Rick choosing to leave. Um, he was he was like a little hurt by it, and even kind of threw in a dig, like you know doesn't want to like stand up to the challenge kind of thing. Whatever. There was that. There was also this man. How how many years was he under Christian Horner's stewardship at Red Bull? Three four years. The most pointed dig that Christian Horner had at him was mispronouncing his name and be like, oh, whatever, however the hell you pronounce it. Okay, buddy. Like that dude ushered in a transitional era that half of these teams would kill their right wheel for. And you forgot how to say his name. And then to Todd's point as well, there was also a little bit of a lingering resentment when he left Renault because Cyril Abitabo was also kind of clamoring for the fact that I thought we had something, Danielle. What is what is going on? Why are you leaving me? And then inevitably next year, when we get the Zach Brown version of this, I'm sure there is going to be a little bit of lingering resentment from that man as well. Like Daniel Ricardo is a bit of a tease. He gets you with the smile, but he loses you with the frustrating results. <laughs> I was gonna, if, if anything, Zach Brown's going to be clicking his heels because he got $20 million driver off the book, stole the best pro- prospect in F1 potentially, and still has, you know, arguably one of the best pairings on the grid. Ultra marketable guy in Lando, who's also goofy, yep. you know, has that goofy charm about him. He's, he's the crown prince of Daniel Ricardo's kingdom because he's essentially Daniel Ricardo 2.0 because he's everything Daniel Ricardo is, except he's, what, 10, 15 years younger and he still has race pace. Ouch. I've turned into the Stephen A. Smith of this episode. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, you know who we haven't talked about yet? Alex freaking Albon. What the hell? Okay, so the Williams just is like, I'm going to forget what downforce is. (laughs) And I I, I didn't look at the, the speed traps or whatever, but... I think in free practice and up to Q2 in qualifying, he was the fastest car on track, top speed wise, which is like insane. Um, I, I know that that's like a byproduct of the Williams car just not having enough downforce, and that's why it kind of sucks. But in a straight line, holy shit, that thing's fast, which is weird because by all accounts, the Mercedes engine has been kind of one of the worst on the grid this year. Um, so I, 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 I don't get it. That car, it was crazy fast, but for 
Alex Albon to be super fast in practice. I think he finished, you know, in the top five or something. Definitely top 10. All the free practices. Uh, Q1, Q2 was like P4, I think. And uh, still pulled it into Q3. I, I think his Q3 got kind of screwed up. But to... Uh, he, I think he qualified 10th and then got bumped up to 6th, I want to say, at the start of the race. But to hang on and keep that car in the points after all of the field was shuffling and was able to battle uh, b- battle the midfield and keep it in the points. That was at, like one of the best performances of the season, I think, this year. Even cooler than his, like, you know, 48 laps on one tire and then one lap on another tire performance. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, that was very cool. But I think this, like, in a less, less of a meme style result. Uh, yeah. This, that was, that was staggeringly good. You could tell he was like, even after like qualifying, he like couldn't keep the smile off his face. He was like so stoked on it, which was really cool to see. I think I've been more impressed with how he's driven that car than even the likes of what George Russell has done in years past, because something about him feels right in that car. And that's saying something because that car has been dog shit for as long as I've been a fan, which has been all of one year, two years tops, maybe. But kudos to him. And I'm surprised Williams was able to keep him as a driver because I could have sworn other teams would have at least been worthy of a punt to be like, hey, Alex, why don't you drive for us? Because he no longer has the Red Bull tentacles alongside him, does he? Like, he's a free agent. Oh, yeah. Kicking it back to the contract talk, he signed this weekend, um, I think, a three-year deal with Williams, and he's permanently out from under the Red Bull umbrella. So he is now a... He's a Williams guy. Williams driver. Yeah. Which is really cool to see. Yeah, I like that a lot. Who's going to be the other Williams driver? Not Nicholas Latifi. I'm going to go same continent, but a different military rank. I'm going to go Josh Sargent. Did I say that correctly? Is it Sargent with a hard A? Sargent? I thought... Are you talking about Logan Sargent? See, thank you. This is why I'm Stephen A. Smith, because even when I think I know, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. Now I get what you're saying. Same continent, different country. Uh, yeah, Logan Sargent is a uh, promising young American driver in F2. Um, but no, I don't think it. I don't think they'll call him up. They're going to sign somebody else that's going to give them the possibility to develop the car more because they're investing. Like we've talked about, all these teams are investing in the teams now that they have this new ownership in Doralton Capital. They're investing in the team pretty heavily from resources to staff and everything so and and it's funny that you say is for as long as you've been watching formula one williams have been dog shit uh when i was looking up earlier today like because i was thinking about that who's had the most dominant performance in a single race like that i was looking back to early mercedes you know domination with hamilton and i think it was either 2015 or 2016 i want to say 2015 there was a, a certain race that was one of Hamilton's great races, but Williams qualified one, two. So that was like 2015, 2016 
when they were still relevant and good. So it hasn't been that long. And they're still one of the most successful teams of all time, being one of the longest running teams of all time. So uh, they're the New York Knicks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I think the Williams have been good more recently than the Knicks have. If you have any issues with that, you can find me at Smooth as Eggs on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> now, and Josh Sargent is the next young hot soccer player. So that's it's the golden age of sergeants as far as I'm concerned. If your last name is Sargent, you're a prodigy in Formula One or in soccer. Crossover there episode. We go. Yeah. So kicking it, they need somebody to help, like with with the development of the cars. Does that mean Danny Rick is a is an option? If they throw the bag at him, I think that's the only way he goes to a team like Williams. He was getting what like twenty five million a year at Renault. If they give him that, he's a rich man. Basically, I, what is his buyout? Twelve million? No. Well, it's reported to be $21 million at McLaren that they bought him out for. Danny Rick, take a pay cut. You've already got the 21 in the bank. Come home. Or get the bag. Uh, that's, Go to that's Williams. Get $30 million a year. Get $30 million a year. Have a lot of fun being a Williams. Low expectations. I mean, if he gets goes to Williams and gets like just mollywopped by by Albon then just stop <laughs> just just bow out gracefully do your victory lap like Kimmy where you just don't give a shit don't respond to any interview questions or just like make dick jokes the whole time like just go out on pure peak Danny Rick like we know you and then go on to other ventures here's my proposal I mean yeah like Kimmy go to go to NASCAR I guarantee you he's gonna do <laughs> that better. anyway like in the next five years, over under one and a half NASCAR races for Danny Rick. Five years. I don't, I don't know if he would go to NASCAR first. I think that there could be some sports car racing in between. Or or even some IndyCar racing, to be honest. That's where I feel like it would happen. I feel like he would go to IndyCar. He could easily get a seat, I think, with if he was already out of Formula One and had availability yeah. and the teams knew that i i almost guarantee that teams would give him a test the other uh, solution slash proposal i have one lap race for the second williams spot latifi v ricardo live their life a quarter mile at a time god what if he lost though that's the thing like <laughs> i'm not trying to be devil's advocate but that is the other side of the sword for danny rick because if he goes to let's say an inferior team like let's say he went to aston martin if strolovich upstaged him i think todd may burn his house down and then pee on the ashes you wanted to say vich tits so badly right know, there vich tips <laughs> <laughs> oh shit we're off the rails um yeah i think for some reason i could see latifi like just having a stroke and blacking out and somehow beating ricardo then stroll Ever beating Ricardo, unless it's wet, because then he turns into Senna, as we know. Oh, one last thing, contract thing that we didn't talk about. So this rumor started kind of early on in the weekend, and I was like, that's just hearsay BS. But the rumor was that Alpine is strongly 
aggressively, I should say, trying to nab Pierre Gasly from AlphaTauri, Tauri, whatever you say it. Um, I'm which is sure weird because, called that. Yeah, that's so crazy because one, Ro called it, and two, he just signed a contract like what two, three races ago for a two-year extension to AlphaTauri. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that these contracts are worth not even the paper they're written on, but like that seems. How are they going to work that? I don't think it matters because as far as I'm concerned, it seems every Formula One contract has a, hey, LOL, this contract is void if the following 12 conditions are met. Yeah, one of those conditions is no rain at Spa. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) There's no rain at Spa. Everyone's contract is void. Yeah, Yeah, I I just I but uh, over the course of the weekend, it sounded like it um, really gained some steam and a lot of people were talking about it, even like the typical F1 pundits. Um, And it sounds like a an actual possibility now. I I mean, it could still be hearsay, whatever, but uh, I, I don't see it happening, especially after he just signed a contract. And what Alpine would have to give up to steal him. And it doesn't even make sense to me because out of the drivers of all the drivers in Formula One, the two that dislike each other the most are Pierre and Esteban. So what are they? They're just trying for firework. They're trying to get that deep drive to survive audience in their garage. They're trying to get that. They're trying to be team French or team baguette, as you've so affectionately referred to them as. And it's one of those things, though. I just did a simple Google search of Gasly Alpine and the spectrum of emotions. Some people say they still hate each other, can't stand the sight of one another. Other people say, oh, it's long and buried since uh, I think Ocon's win last year. I would say this. If you are giving me a pairing of Ocon and Gasly, that to me should be the fourth best pairing on the grid. And that would be normal expectations as far as I'm concerned, given the talent of what Gasly is capable of and his potential and what Ocon is showing. Because I think if that's a situation, first of all, I think Gasly becomes the number one driver. And it pains me to say that as the resident Estebandit. But I think that is a very potent one, too. It's a question of do they work together? Now, I will say this. Esteban Ocon seemingly is the most loathed man on all of Formula One because I did this weird study because I was kind of bored where I looked at every single follow between formula one drivers and Esteban Ocon has the least amount of follows from his uh, fellow formula one drivers. So that says something to me. Cause they know he's controlled by a rat, but would you say that you still think that they're the fourth best pairing Assuming that Piastri really goes to what do we know about Piastri? Because the only reason why I have them above Piastri is we have known commodities. Oscar Piastri could be great. We don't know that yet. And if you're asking me over the course of a season who I would back, I would back the two race winners as opposed to the two that I think Lando's got a couple podiums, right? He hasn't won a race yet. It's a question of when and not if. I'm not saying that about Lando, but. Oscar Piastri has to show me something like if he turns into like what would be a dream season for Oscar Piastri realistically? Like, would he emulate Lando's first season where he's just this promising youngster? But if we're fortunate, he's a top 10 driver. 
Yeah, consistent top 10 driver, I think, would be a dream season for him. Okay. Yeah. So, like I said, I may be in the minority, and if I am, you guys know me. I'm at Keith DeSneak on your favorite social media. But I would ride or die with the Gasly-Ocon hypothetical partnership over the hypothetical Piastri-Norris. I sense a big bet coming on. It has to happen first. <laughs> well, be- yeah, before I was going to say before before that bet has happens. I mean, everything in the last day has been that that Alpine thinks that that they're on the right side of this contract dispute. And Total Wolf even said, like, he thinks that Piastri's tweet was kind of when the Gasly or something. I forget the when words. the Gasly Ocon thing happens. I will speak an entire episode with a French accent while eating a baguette. Um, I mean, I just, I just, I just don't know if Piastri is actually going to end up at McLaren yet. I'm not sure how that works, right? Because if if he's still under contract with Alpine, what, like, they're not going to have him race if he's already saying he doesn't want to be there, right? Yeah, they're just going to keep him from letting from racing for somebody else until his contract's up. I would assume. Yep. But, but all the accounts I heard is that it's pretty much in the bag for McLaren. Again, we'll find out tomorrow. But it, yeah, everything I heard was it's in the bag for McLaren. So he's as good as gone from Alpine, which makes that ghastly proposal super interesting. And it's weird that everyone was talking about it so much. So I feel like the paddock feels like Piastri is going to McLaren. And if that happens, if we get Gasly, if we get Team Baguette versus Team Promising Young Driver, as you say, we have to bet something larger because I'll back the F3, F2, F whatever Formula Europe champion and Lando, who I think talent wise is above any of those drivers mentioned. I think he's like I'd said before, he's the best driver that's not in a top three car. That's fair. Um, like I said, I'm excited that, for it that, because I think that would be a very even place bet. And to your point, there seemingly is smoke. When there's smoke, there's fire. And Formula One, one thing I've learned in the one year I've started watching this, nobody can keep a secret in that sport. <laughs> it's just staggering how much chatter there is in the paddock and what comes comes true because of that chatter. Yep. All right. Anything else, or should we wrap up with some fantasy? Yeah, let's do it. Here's the thirty-second Rohit vamp for while I pull this up. While Todd's pulling this up, I've looked at her reviews. I'll read her review. I might need Nick to glint for me as I do. No, I won't need to do that. I'm a professional and not to say. If you haven't left us a review, you can do that on the Apple Podcast website. Exactly. Look up Exhaust. You can be like Chivas eighty-nine. Who just said two exactly. race car emojis, a great Formula One podcast, such a good listen. And I can't tell if that emoji is a grinning emoji or an emoji wearing a mask, because either way, it's a very responsible emoji. Because you either need to be happy in life or you need to be vaxxed up. But that's just my opinion, not that of my partners or the greater sneaker history cinematic universe. Todd, do you have enough or do I need to glamp some more? <laughs> no, that was good. It took a weird turn. It always does with me. Um all right so uh we're gonna go uh to the voldemort league first uh 
let's look at top scoring drivers. Uh, shout out to the Trapeze, who's obviously given up with zero points this week. Top scoring drivers uh, this week are Julie Wood, um, Jackal, and, and then in P1, me again somehow. This league is so hard to read. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, shout out AA Ron for all, are also giving up in, with 282 points. Moving on to the F1 official uh, Discord league, we have results for Belgium. Uh, in P3 this week was myself with 163 points. Uh, in P2, Gunther's dream team, John S., with 164 points, one-upping me. And in P1, top step of the podium, A.A. Ron, all Haas, no breaks, with 168 points. Uh, let's see. Nick, you were in 15th, and Rohit was uh, in P4. All right. So solid, solid showing. All right. Overall for the season, um, in P3, we have... Alpha Ash, uh, Alpha Ash Ari, Mr. Mega Drive. Mega Drive, Mega Drive, Mega Drive. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, in P2 is myself, actually not tied for P2 anymore. Actual P2. Shout out me. Uh, and then in P1, A.A. Ron with uh, a very Verstappen-like lead. He's over 100 points ahead of me um, in, in P1. And then to the most important, the Exhaust Notes official podcast draft. Uh, so top step of the podium this week is Nick with 56 points. Solid week with the, the, the race winner. With third week in a row, you had the race winner there. So I think... Uh, I'm on to something. Yeah, that, that max pick at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Pretty fortuitous. All right. Um, in uh, P2, we have A.A. Ron with 55 points and P3, Rohit with 51 points. I was at 45. So for the season, in fourth place, uh, A.A. Ron, 671. Uh, Nick in P3, 694. Uh, Rohit, P2. With 708, and I'm somehow still in first with 718. Lots of moving and shaking there. I love our league. I think it's the best. It's a participation yep. award. It's a fantasy award. I like it. Very good. Very good. I really think that Max guy is gonna gonna have. He's gonna turn into something special. You know. <laughs> so that's why I had to go. With I'm him waiting for you to steal that league <laughs> because you get yet. The umpteenth uh, win in a row for Max, and that's just going to propel you, Nick, because it's absurd. So we have a very famous spreadsheet, if you've listened to a couple of our episodes. And I know it's Nick's section because it's got the most purple, because that's the color code we've given it to the most race winners. So Nick is basically red, purple, red, because that was Max's first three races. And then it's just straight purple. It's like a Prince line of cocaine. <laughs> oh man rest in peace to prince that's that guy's music 
All right. Well, time to put a raspberry ray in, in that hair, Nick. Exactly. Wrap it up for the week. <laughs> oh, Why don't you guys... uh, pre-race predictions. Bono Zanvort. What do you guys think? What are you thinking? I, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb here and say Max <laughs> at his fourth consecutive home race uh, is gonna win. And uh, it's probably gonna be it's probably gonna be Checo and let's throw a curveball in there and say that Fernando is gonna finish third next week. Just because. I mean, he's like super motivated to piss off Alpine as he leaves, right? Like a fifth place finish. Are you kidding me? Can we talk about the quote as well? I mean, I'm surprised we didn't talk about this. And I'm sorry that we're going to extend this because I think this is at least worth four minutes of conversation. But calling Lewis Hamilton an idiot and then saying he only knows how to drive from the front. I don't think that's an uh, insult if we want to look at it from the long term play. But my good, my goodness, it was spicy in the moment. <laughs> yes. The best part of that was at the post race. Or I guess the race was still going on, but Lewis got interviewed by the media <laughs> and was kind of going over it and then kind of said like with a grin, like, oh, I'm glad, glad to know how he feels about me now. Uh, I, I, um, I, I, and then they said, like, are you going to talk to him? And he's like, well, I was going to, but not now. Because Lewis like fell on a sword. It was his fault. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it was his fault. Like Fernando gave him all the room in the world. So it's a shame. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that Fernando didn't have to DNF because of that. Because it like that was a pretty rough, rough looking crash. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty crazy. I could not believe that, to be honest, when I heard it. I was like. But also, I respect it. Damn it, I respect it. Dad, who do you have? It was very diva-like. Uh, wait, did you give me your top three? Oh, no, um, I'll go ahead and go, because I kind of want to jinx him at this point, because I think for just our own lack of boredom, we'd like to see Max not win every single race, but I'm going to go Max Russell signs. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to go Max by a lap. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to win by a lap, but he'll lap like half the field. Uh, Max, uh, Checo, Russell. All right. Yep. If you disagree with either of the, these guys, you can find them on social media. <laughs> Wait. I don't know how they can find you guys. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Rohizi, on Instagram at Rohidem13. And my last hot take of the day is Carlos Sainz is Ferrari's number one driver now. It's not even a question. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the captain now. Um, no, his teeth are way too straight for that. Uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reacting to Nick's face. I'm uh, on Twitter at tzf one <laughs> on Instagram at uh, tzy, and most importantly, in the Discord. Come join us. Link in, link will be in the description. I'm at Nick Engvall on all the platforms, and you can follow Exhaust Notes at Exhaust Notes FM on every platform. And uh, yeah, we appreciate y'all for rocking with us and listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Mm-hmm.